Welcome to the Gals Guide to the Galaxy podcast, where a group of gals gather for you one cool thing around our topic of the month. Is it ancient history? Is it breaking news? Is it safe for work? Well, that's up to each gal. All we know is that... Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Welcome back. I'm Leah, and I am joined by Bonnie and Barb, and we are talking about our one cool medicine woman. So, Bonnie already talked about... Karaoke pay? Sure. Yes! Get it, girl. There we go. I'm like, I'm just being confident, and also at the same time, I wrote things down phonetically. (laughs) Uh, But before we dive back in, I want to get to know something random about our gal pals. So my question is, do you have any home remedies that you use on occasion or fairly regularly, like essential oils, plants, you know, tea, anything like that? Your go-to home remedies? And a deathly silence. <laughs> so falls over the podcast. <laughs> have you heard of Vixav? Yes, like it's like Vicks Faber Rub, right? Right, it's yeah. like that Vicks. So yeah, we grew up. That was the end all be all. Right, you put that like, on your chest. You so breathe in the face. If you've got a, if you've got an earache, you wipe mm-hmm. it on your ears. If you have a, you know, if your throat's hurting, it goes on your throat. Yep. If your chest, you know, some people, some of our family, you know. Not recommended for anybody out there, but I think they would ingest it <laughs> sometimes. I don't think you're supposed to. I don't, I don't think. I don't, I'm pretty sure yeah. they say not to do that. Yeah. But my family, I mean, it's just whatever. Thought, was, well, maybe it'll work on the inside. Whatever whatever your issue <laughs> was, this was the go-to. So sure. I do love it when I'm congested. Yeah. I still you can will. put it under your nose. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I still do that. I still have, uh, or sometimes I'll have one in the shower. So the steam from the shower yes. will automatically help give you that uh that little that little clearing that little cleansing um and my great grandma uh, my great grandma gabbard always loved her hot toddies oh yeah so between those two things Uh how could you go wrong she lived until she was you know in her way in her 90s so case in point you know (laughs) hot toddies and i'm not gonna argue i'm just not gonna argue (laughs) with either of those so i take it (laughs) Fun. What about you? Uh, not yet. I remember okay. moving into our house now and being like, "Am I going to have to sage the house? Oh yeah. Like, where do oh, I get yeah. sage if uh-huh. I need to sage the house? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to know a guy. I was like, do I need to just grow some sage? Yes, always a good idea. And have some ready. Yeah. Um, not yet. Um, I do have hibiscus plants. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know yet how to. I yeah. haven't gone through the whole wormhole of trying to make that into tea. Yep. Or anything. I have grown. Well, I thought I was growing lavender. Oh! <laughs> Turns out it's oh. hyssop. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But it smells like lavender. <laughs> it smells lovely. Right, right. And it's purple. Uh, Josh oh. had his lavender imported. He had to get a seed. I don't know. He had to get some kind of license or whatever. I'm sure if you ask him about it. Oh, oh you'll oh, have he'll tell me. three he days. Will, of, yeah. yeah, a little yeah. dissertation. I think he's preparing a text message right now I if he listens to this. <laughs> Seed importer's license. That's what he had oh, to get. Okay. But he got some oh from England. Gosh. Yeah. I didn't know that was. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to add that it's to my list. There you go. 
See? I have, like, mm-hmm. I need to look into the Master Gardening thing. <gasps> yes, that'd be cool. It's like 250 bucks. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not sure if it's worth it. There are what? scholarships that you can do. And then also, yeah, there's there's stuff that you can do. And it's, it's kind of cool. It's, it's a huge commitment, though. I mean, yeah, because yeah, you have to, like, volunteer. do the class. And then, yeah, yep. you have to have, like, mm-hmm. so many hours of volunteer time. Yeah. yeah. And I know, um, a lady we know, uh, Martha, with the yeah. stomping ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know she did it a couple mm-hmm. years ago, and I sent her a message real quick on Facebook. Yeah. Be like, hey. What do you think? What do you, I yeah. Think you did, she hasn't responded back yet. She might be busy with all I, of her I, gardening. Yeah, I think. That she needs to do. There you go. She's the busy woman. She's she is. in a shop. She is. So um, you don't have an herbal remedy yet, but you're working on hibiscus, yet, I'm lavender. I'm things. I like so that. So there's yes. like, I'm, and I'm dehydrating things <laughs> yes. now. So we're, we're working our way up there Ooh. for stuff like that fab oh, fabulous i look forward to it <laughs> and so does josh <laughs> um mine i i have a few that i have even something as silly as uh when i have a sore throat i have butterscotch pudding don't ask me why mm. it's not an actual but it just soothes me like heart and soul butterscotch mm. pudding it just tells me everything's going to be okay um but in the last couple of years we uh, we identified something that we just call smelly stuff. This sounds so terrible. <laughs> so when we're congested with our nose, mm-hmm. and it's all like sinusy pressure yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of thing, there's this mix of essential oils that you can put into boiling water, and you just kind of you just kind of inhale the vapors. Towel it's kind the, of vapor yeah. rub. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you just kind of get it hot, put it in yep. a mug, and just breathe it in. So that's why it's smelly stuff because you're smelling it. And I had to keep telling the children, "Do drink it." <laughs> <laughs> just smell it but it's um peppermint to um to open up the blood yeah, vessels yeah. um it's tea tree oil that is kind of an antiseptic uh antibody that you can inhale oregano on that same kind of uh uh wavelength um and then uh lemon to make it smell a little better <laughs> <laughs> um, but just for some odd reason, that will like break up uh, the stuff that's happening in the side, and you get good. relief. Very you good. get a good relief, and it's something that we just always have on hand because you're just doing like a couple of drops of each thing, putting it in the microwave, and then you smelly stuff, smelly stuff. Yeah, the other thing, <laughs> I haven't bitten the yet on the neti pot. Yeah, things. I don't recommend. Uh, they're very hard to keep clean. Yes. yes. And we've gotten very bad sinus infections Gross. just trying to keep them clean. You're putting mm. salt water basically through your nose, which it's is not bad flush. on its own. Yep. It's it's the container mm. just gets so much. Just like go, if you bought a new one every year, maybe. Just go to the ocean <laughs> oh, and get yeah. the salt water from the ocean. Right. That'll and get that stuck up. up your nose That's and right. bam, you are back in business. <laughs> Gives you a little shot of adrenaline as well. Just the feeling of being alive. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but that was, it did relieve until it created more I sinus have, infections. I've definitely heard that keeping yeah. the nutty pot clean was the issue. Yeah, it's so hard. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. I mean, on that, which has no segue whatsoever, do you want to know what cool lady I have for you? Yes. Look at that. I'm going to tell you about Gladys Takahijwin. That's right. I know. Barb's like, I'm going to have to say this later. I wrote it down phonetically. I got you. Okay. Um, Gladys was a Mohegan. So not with a K, not Mohegan, but with an H, Mohegan Hmm. medicine woman. Uh, She was born on Mohegan Hill, which is now Connecticut. 
So that's okay. kind of the area of the Americas. Notice how I'm giving it that the secondary name was Connecticut. <laughs> she called it something else and her people called it something else. Um, but in 1994, the Mohegans received their federal recognition as a native people. Uh, it wasn't easy being acknowledged as a people, but Gladys was actually a big part of that healing process of her people and also of the government to admit their continued existence because they're still with us <laughs> so all right get this gladys was born in 1899 now if you're thinking wow that was a long time ago uh what's really gonna bake your noodle is she died in 2005 nice. oh wow century lady uh-huh 106 years old but 1899 to 2005 wow <laughs> so she really saw the entire century all the way through. And she was a medicine woman that entire time. Um, she started very little with the other uh, elders uh, in her uh, community that taught her to be a medicine woman at like, you know, itty bitty age three, four, five. Wow. <laughs> crazy. Uh-huh. To be born and have it mostly be horses. And yes. then to go to cars. Yeah. Two world wars. Yep. Computers. Yep. The internet. Oh, my she gosh. Probably we were probably starting on smartphones. Yeah. Her granddaughter asked her, of all of that technology, of all that change, what was, I can't remember if she said the hardest thing or the most inventive thing or whatever, but what Gladys said is the thing she couldn't wrap her head around that she could not ever understand was the internet. Mm -hmm. That was the only thing. Everything else, she's like, okay, yeah, no, I get it. Yep, yep. The internet, that did not make any kind of grounding sense i think most people now just don't even worry about it it's yeah. just a thing that we happens. have to use it right exactly it's like, it's like uh utilities right it's like yeah. you turn the light yeah. switch on and it it's works. on the internet's always on right exactly we don't think about it yeah but apparently electricity uh that was fine <laughs> but the internet what uh so here's the other cool thing though gladys was born in a matriarchal society nice. I know, right? Uh, so both of her parents were Mohegan Indians. She grew up in a culture where women were not held back. They were actually seen as leaders. Tell me what that's like. Um, Gladys was also a little bit more special because when she was born, she was actually called everyone's grandmother. Okay. So she was born not only special, but she was also born as a wise elder as a little kid. <laughs> Cool. So she was pretty much like, you know, how, you know, some people have like that old person energy sort of mm -hmm. thing. She was born being like, I'm already the wise sage and I'm two years old. I can only imagine <laughs> what that toddler was getting into when I'm picturing my own toddlers at two. <laughs> but with that kind of empowerment. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's a, that's like, a nightmare. Mm, yes. That's a parental nightmare. Can't ground me. I'm everyone's <laughs> grandma. <laughs> ground grandma? <laughs> And it would be true. Yes, absolutely. You are correct. Um, Gladys also came from a long line of medicine women. So she had a belt uh, that was worn by two previous medicine women. And the belt was given to her by Fieldia Fielding, uh, who is the last fluent speaker of the Mohegan language. She was the only oh, wow. one that could still speak it fluently. And the language died out as a spoken language with her. Um, previous to Fielda, the belt was worn by Martha Eukis in 1769. Wow. And the belt is seen as the Mohegan culture keeper 
Cool. I mean, I did read Trapper Keeper because did you guys all have Trapper Keepers? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's where you hold the knowledge, right? So this was a belt that was a culture keeper, which is much better than a Trapper Keeper. Uh, but Gladys talked about the belt. She said, it was Fielda who gave me uh, that very old belt that I wear with my Indian dress. And it had belonged to her grandmother, Martha Yukis. Martha taught her the Mohegan language. Field of Feeling was the last speaker of the Mohican Pequot dialect. She and her grandmother, Marka Yukis, lived together. They were said to have the Indian tongue used much more than English. And the most interesting part of Fieldia's life that Gladys recalls was that she knew about the little people who lived in the woods. And the little people are called the Makiawusug. Have you ever heard of the Makiawusug? Okay, all right. She, this is Gladys continuing, say, I recall that on one occasion, there was a family dinner and a meeting in the old parsonage about a half mile down the road from here. And at one point, she told me that one of the relatives that she, one of the relatives that she was stepping outside for a minute to talk to the little people, someone in the tree. And some of the younger members regarded her as quite different. <laughs> uh, they laughed a lot, but I did not. <laughs> uh, but her grandmother used to visit her parents and they didn't ridicule her. Others didn't sympathize uh, with her as her contact to the little people. So basically the, the tree spirits. So she would stop and she would go and talk to the little, the tree spirits that are, um, that are up in the tree. I was picturing this little, little people there in like Hawaii. Oh, like gotcha. A little, I don't know. They're supposed to be like little, little people. There you go. In the jungle. No, this is just the spirits were just calling to her and they were up in a tree and she I needed to it. go see what they needed because she could connect with the, with the tree spirits that were in there. So I was just like, oh, but they're the little people. Um. <laughs> There's a wonderful uh, Connecticut public television interview that actually has a descendant of Gladys. Um, it's Melissa Takaquijan Zobel. And this is where I get the lovely quote that I used at the very top of this month's episode, which she's the one that said, a medicine woman is whatever the tribe needs at the time that they need it. It's all about healing and making things well. Yeah. Um, so Gladys was trained in herbal lore by her three grandmothers, one of them that would talk to the little people in the trees. Um, and she had this great story. She said, my first trip out to the fields where the medicine plants were growing, it would have been with Grandma Fielding, Grandmother Baker and Grandmother Matthews. They were gathering them for the winter use at the time. And I would have been about five years of age. And I think it kind of kindled a spark. Later on, I became interested in our Mohegan herbal remedies here in my recollection the women were the ones who gathered the plants prepared the medicines it was customary herb gathering and other things that the women would observe some of the girls and they would discuss their choice like perhaps it might be well to take this one and learn these certain skills and then also never take the first plant that you find was mm. also advice and always ask the creator to lead you he will show you where uh when there's a little bit more down the trail I thought it was interesting. Very nice. Uh, so in the uh, the ripe time of 1919. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Gladys went to the University of Pennsylvania. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, right? It's amazing Jeez. when you are a leader of your people and they actually really encourage you. So she went to the University of Pennsylvania where she immersed herself in anthropology. Okay. She researched herbal medicine of the East Coast tribe and she reported her work in a book called The Study of the Delaware Indian Medicine Practice, Folk, and Beliefs. 
Um, the book delves into the spiritual aspects of the Delaware Indians, their medicine, including the use of herbs, sweat lodges, and healing ceremonies as well. So she documented her papers. Uh, in 1931, she co-founded a museum. <laughs> Good gracious. Uh, the museum was with her father and her brother. The museum is still there, by the way. It's called the Takahedwood Indian Museum. It is in Uncaville, Connecticut. Uh, the founding philosophy of the museum. You're going to love this. You can't hate someone that you know a lot about. There you go. That's their whole philosophy. I'm like, so cute. So the museum is actually the oldest Native American owned and operated museum in the United States. Very cool. Uh, The museum offers free admission. Uh, Tours are actually conducted by the Mohegan tribal members. So that's what's really cool. Uh, They own it. They preserve it. It is their history. And they share it with others totally free. It was built by Gladys's father at the height of the Great Depression when he was going blind in one eye. Good. (laughs) <laughs> it's a very good structure. It took some time, but oh, there was a Great Depression on. I mean, you know, it was important, but yes. Uh, in 1934, she was asked to serve as a community worker on the Yankton Sioux Reservation in South Dakota. Um, and because of her great work there, she was promoted to Indian art specialist. I thought you would like oh, that. Oh, nice. Um, for a brand new board that was being created, and it was called the Federal Indian Arts and Crafts Board. Um, and the task was to restore and encourage ancient practices like rain dances and sun dances mm-hmm. because they were illegal to do for a certain amount of time Imagine. or frowned upon Imagine. or, you know what I'm saying? So this is in 1934 when they're trying to do a resurgence and they're trying to bring them back out and to share them with more people, basically that wonderful resurgence. So she talked about her time. Uh, she said the Arts and Craft Board at the time, it was new and it was not under the Bureau of Indian Affairs. It was separate. It was under the Department of the Interior. We had a director with a headquarters in Washington, D.C. Renee de Hornencourt and her assistant, Ken Disher, were in charge. When I first entered the Arts and Crafts, there was only three field workers, one in the Southwest, one in Oklahoma. And I had the Northern Division of North and South Dakota Montana and Wyoming. That is a big stretch of land. That's a lot of land to cover. It is. Get this, though. I met Eleanor Roosevelt. Well, of course she did. At the Museum of Modern Art. Mm. (laughs) And she uh, wrote the foreword for a book that she was preparing for on that particular display and the meaning of the Hopi artist, Fred Kabuti. That's awesome. Right? So she wrote a book, you know, no big deal. Eleanor Roosevelt just kind of like wrote the foreword and stuff. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Overachiever. So you very excited about her. Okay. How about this? In the 1940s, she was a librarian. Oh, nice. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She just gets better. Uh I think we found our patron saint. I'm just saying. So in the 1940s, she was a librarian. She was a librarian at the Ninatech Women's Prison. (laughs) Mm. Okay. But... This prison was, like, actually quite interesting. So the prison started in 1918. So it started a little more than 20 years before she got there. And it was a working farm for, at the time, 12 female inmates. Oh. So it was women who were destitute or caught in prostitution or uh, caught with drugs or stealing things. And it was a rehabilitation place, Hmm. really, for them. Um, So it was kind of a reformatory. 
is what it was. Um, and it really was about helping the personal development of the women that they detained, not just finding something for them to do, like a work camp or anything. So when Gladys got there in the 40s, though, there was more women, but it was still like extremely innovative. And it was very much about personal development. So she wasn't just a librarian in a prison. It yeah. was, yep. what materials do you need? What are you trying to learn? What yep. will help yep. you get a new vocation or a new way on life or, you know, a spiritual mm-hmm. growth? So I thought that was like, that's fascinating. And and that really yeah. speaks to what, what what they said was, it's whatever you need at the time. Yes. The shaman delivers whatever you need at the time. Yes. And that's what she was doing. She would assess the mm-hmm. situation and provide them what they needed. And she was brought in for that particular job because of working on reservations with a wide variety of people with very different needs and sometimes very dire needs. She saw it as a way of using those skills for women in a prison situation. Yeah. Um, It wasn't necessarily that they were also indigenous like her. It was, I can use these skills that I've learned from my people to help other people. And I'm like, right. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but then back to her people. So from 1978 till 1994, the Mohegan people tried for federal recognition. This was very much in that late 70s where there were um, tribes that were just trying to be recognized to get their land back or to have ownership of their land in some way. Um, and part of that was having the government even recognize that you exist. I mean... Oh, my gosh. So it was Gladys who got them this because she kept personal records. Mm. The government was so overwhelmed by because she had records of every person's birth, graduation, marriage, death. She kept all of it. And she kept such good records of uh, what her great granddaughter calls the mundane things in life, which showcases real people. So like the government saw, these are real people with real lives. Oh my gosh, we totally have to recognize. And I'm like, really? Um, I thought it was fantastic though. Um, When Gladys was asked uh, if she had any message to her people about the final federal recognition, she said, we all have to stand in love for the tribe. Thought that was very sweet and very, I think, understated. Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Definitely. Like, she, it just was beautiful. Uh, so she spent much of her later years, which was still a lot of later years. Woman lived to <laughs> 106. Um, at the Tantaquijan Indian Museum, she provided education. She preserved her traditions of her people. She wrote traditional herbal remedies. So she wrote stuff down and she ensured friendly relationships with the town and with the state of Connecticut. She really kind of brought everybody together to the table uh, to showcase her beautiful people. And because she's so fabulous, she got two honorary doctorates. Nice. Uh, one of them from the University of Connecticut. Nice, because uh-huh. that's, you know, where you are. But also one from Yale. Nice. Okay. Yale sure. gave her an honorary doctorate. Nice. <laughs> so, and like I said, she uh, she died at the ripe, you know, uh, breathtaking age of 106. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy. I know, right? The things she has seen. And not only that, the things she did. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sweet. Any questions about Gladys? No. Our patron saint? <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. How do we get her sainthood? Right, I'm just saying, like, what right. is what is the documentation of that? Right. <laughs> What's required? 
So I'll share in the show notes this cute little video uh, from the museum that has her great-granddaughter on it um, and photos of her and all that kind of good stuff. Because Gladys awesome. is just flipping and flying awesome. and adorable. I saw it and I went, so I love her. <laughs> and I'm going to love her forever. So yes. <laughs> Sweet. Should I wrap it up? Yes, yeah. ma'am. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Well, then that wraps it up for this week's episode. If my calendar math is not mistaken, we are off next week because of Thanksgiving. Uh, but we will be coming back for one more cool woman of history as the Gals Guide podcast will continue. So thanks for listening. For show notes, links, and images from this week's show, visit galsguide.org. Want exclusive stuff like deleted bits and major bloopers? Become a Gals Guide patron today. Thanks for listening.